Hey y'all, welcome to the Backcountry Bowcast. I'm your host, Garrett Carver. I'm joined today by my co-host, Daniel Wright. We come from Greeley, Colorado, and we're both members of the Hunt Ladeet team. If you are not sure what the Hunt Ladeet team is, trust me, you'll get to know what it is over the time of our over the course of our time with this podcast. Um, if you also want to go check out some of their content, go over to the Hunt Lift Eat official on Instagram and go check them out wherever podcasts are found. Uh, Daniel and I are here to talk about all things bow hunting, archery, fitness, backcountry gear, and just all things hunting in general. Because there's going to be a few hunts that we both do that are probably going to be some rifle hunts. Uh, at the end of the day, we're not experts, but we have plenty of real-world experience fucking up our own hunts that we're going to try to help you save yours. Bubba, how are we doing today? We're living, man. We're doing good. Just another day in paradise yeah, here in Greeley, huh? Another day in paradise. So, as I as I mentioned, we're, we're both in uh, Greeley, Colorado. Uh, it's basically northeastern plains of Colorado. Um... Weirdly enough, we grew up just down the road from each other and barely met each other over the last three months, mm, four months. Longer mm-hmm. than that, like four or five. No, it's like six months. Yeah, I guess I was living in my old apartment when mm-hmm. I met you and I interviewed you for the team. So, I mean, obviously, we're both a part of the Hunt, Lift, Eat team. Uh, Hunt, Lift, Eat is kind of a big deal to us. Uh, it kind of brought us together, brought a lot of our close friends together in this area. Um, so we're going to be, we're going to be kind of dropping some information about those guys throughout a lot of this and potentially be working with them, hopefully going forward. Um, really outside of that, I guess we better go into our backgrounds and, uh, what brought us into what we're doing here today. Yeah. Um, for me anyways, it, this whole backcountry bow hunting thing specifically, um, it, it really came out of out of the love that my father and my grandfather had for it. I was really fortunate that uh, both my grandfathers on my mom's side and my dad's side um, were both big outdoorsmen, hunters, and fishers, fishermen. Um, my mom's dad, he actually owned a, a black powder rifle shop in Lyons, Colorado, and uh, was big into that and and pass that down, that love and everything for the outdoors to me. And then my grandfather on my dad's side, he's still to this day, he's in his 70s. And he's currently planning in Alaska coastal black bear hunt to this day. So he's, he's still uh, still cruising. He's still hitting the 3D shoots with me every time he can. Um, ornery, is, ornery is all get out. But, but yeah, that, that's kind of where I got my love for, for hunting, bow hunting specifically. Um, and like I said, my, my grandfather put me in a tree stand when I was three years old and said, uh, here's a bow and there's a 3d target, get after it. Don't fall and don't tell your mom. So <laughs> that's, that's kind of where my, my original background comes from, from getting into all this. And then outside of that, I, I had kind of taken a hiatus from, from hunting in general, um, kind of out of high school into college, just trying to be an adult and stay alive and stay fed and keep a roof over my head. And then, uh, once life kind of settled down and and everything, I got back into it again and and really hit it hard and heavy. And now it's it's not a problem in my life, but it's definitely an addiction. <laughs> There's no I doubt feel about that. that. I definitely feel that. Um, I've I've worked in and out of a couple pro shops 
uh, over the last few years and gotten some good time behind the desk in the sales side of things as well as the tech side of things. And it's really opened up a lot of opportunities for me to meet some great people in the industry and and uh, hone in on my skills as far as like being able to deep dive into custom builds and, and really understand the science and the fundamentals behind archery and, and good gear oh, yeah. and bad gear too. Hell yeah. No, and that's uh, I mean that's ultimately what our what we're trying to accomplish here, right? Is we're trying to figure out the difference between the good and the bad gear. Um, at the end of the day, this podcast is going to be a lot of gear review stuff. We're going to get our hands on some shit and we're going to test it. We're going to try it out. I'm a gear nerd. At the end of the day, like yeah. I, I love that shit. Like that's that's my bread and butter. Like I. I like deep diving in on all that and like really getting after testing it and using it and I don't know I get excited about new gear um, as far as my back background is in hunting and everything um, I grew up doing a lot of the the small game and waterfowl stuff it was a lot of the pheasant hunting waterfowl dove hunting um, my dad had access to a private property that was just on the the west side of uh, one of those release pheasant places so we'd go there and blast pheasants that got released and like they got away from from this place all the time nice. and like that's what I I mean that's what I grew up doing um, I got a chance to do a little bit of big game hunting when I was a kid uh, I was 12 and I shot a cow that was the only thing I've ever shot mm -hmm. um, previous to the previous to then like I'd been on a few elk hunts with my dad, kind of hadn't gotten a ton of experience to it, but then I got into middle school and high school, and it was like, life became about hockey and girls. <laughs> so, um, As it does at that age? I mean, you know, I carried that on until I was about 25, and then my dad passed away of a heart attack. Um, and I, I carry a ton of guilt, to be honest with you, about, um, about his passing, because if I would have been that much more into hunting like I, w I was when I was a kid, he was he had sold his rifle when I was 14. He sold his rifle to get bows for us. So I had a youth-sized bow. He had a he, he had just gotten his first ever bow, and we were, we were going to league nights every week, and we were going to shoot every all the time, and I had private lessons. And ever since I was a kid, I got really into the bow. And we never really got a chance to go bow hunting ever together. Um, when he passed away, I mean, he passed away because he was a diabetic. He was an alcoholic. And that's not a good combo to have when you're not in shape. He was six foot nine, six foot ten, and 350, 360 pounds. He's not a small guy. So, like, if there's a small part of me that was always going to that every single day that I'm walking in the woods I'm going to walk an extra mile that day because at the end of the day I carry a guilt that my dad would still be here if I was a bow hunter sure. all the way through high school and college yeah yeah I there's no doubt in my mind that he'd still be here if I would have been a bow hunter earlier yeah. but now I'm on uh like a 7 8 year journey of pretty much a full deep dive into bow hunting. Um, this we, this year was quite the year for, for uh, animals shot for me. Um, but I've never had a, such a shit success rate <laughs> and still just hit animals. <laughs> like I, still uh, had a great time. 
I hit two animals this year and didn't recover either of them. Yeah. So, um, not an ideal way to go about it this year, but I mean, it's kind of goes back to the whole just learning, learning everything as we go. And yeah. Um, well, that's the big thing too is is understanding where your your highs and your lows are of a season and and learning where you can grow from, seeing what what you were lacking in and in what areas and and just ultimately it's a day-by-day grind of just trying to get better and get ready for the next hunt in my defense the two times that i i wounded animals this year it was using rifles that weren't mine (laughs) so is that an excuse maybe but (laughs) with my bow i i feel very confident and like i mean i got a chance this year with hunt lift eat to go travel around all the mountain archery fests right I can confidently say I feel good out to a hundred yeah. on a target. Yeah, you have like a lot I've of a lot of reps. Very, very confident out to a hundred. So like on an animal, on an elk, I mean I wouldn't I wouldn't turn down a fifty five, sixty yard shot this year. Sure. And I wasn't presented with one during archery season and this was a very unique year for me because normally I hunt a bull tag for archery in Colorado for September, but this year fucking luke decided we we're gonna go to we we're gonna go, go on a fourth rifle season hunt for a bull <laughs> and just go kill ourselves in a god-awful snowstorm <laughs> for five days but i digress at the end of the day it september is all about archery elk hunting for sure i i'm not wasting my time on mule deer anymore until <laughs> we can Till no. next week when yeah. I change my mind. Again. <laughs> change your mind before you get that that August high country mule deer tag. Until I start daydreaming of that muley I saw last year, yeah. and I just can't stop thinking about that stupid thing. I had zero. I wouldn't say I had zero want. I just I was more focused on elk this year for sure. Until we were up scouting like two weeks before season, and glassed up the biggest mule deer of my life. I mean, it was to the point where, like, you we saw it with, with the naked eye on top of this mountain, this ridge line, and I thought it was elk. And I stopped, pulled the spotter out, and I was like, oh, that's not elk. That's a giant mule deer. Unpopular opinion in Colorado. Um, a really big mule deer might give me a bigger hard-on than a really big <laughs> elk. A big bull. I'm, this is the only time I'm ever going to say that, like... I'm an elk hunter through and through, but my word, a giant muley is like one of the coolest things you'll ever fucking see on the planet. For sure, for sure. Just one of the like, <sighs> especially when you look at them and you're like, how? Okay, what do I got to do to get there? I'm like, yeah, that's a that's a three day trip just to get back in there. Yeah, and then hope I can still get eyes on him. I uh, so I wasted my archery tag this year. I say I wasted it. I actually had a great time during my archery tag this year. But I spent 20 days basically searching for a mule deer that looked like a unicorn by the end of all of this. Like, <laughs> I mean, he was an 11 by 9 when I first saw him. And I spent the next, like, 10 straight days just, like, all over that deer mm-hmm. and never got a clean chance at him. Yep. And it's... It's one of those units where, like, I my campsite was at 13,400 feet, mm-hmm. and I was hunting at 13,800 feet to 14,000 feet. Yeah. And this is the first 
first full week of September. And I realized just how underglassed I was for that kind of an inc- like f- that kind of a scenario. Like, don't get me wrong, a sixty-five millimeter spotter when you're hiking that much, like it's nice for the weight yeah. side of it, weight side of everything. But I couldn't, I couldn't cover the kind of ground that I felt like I really needed to. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I don't know, like that time of year, muleys are. They're just weird. I don't. I don't know how to hunt deer. <laughs> I'm gonna. Cu- I'm gonna say that right now. I don't actually know how to don't hunt know how deer. To hunt high country deer I, yet. I've focused the last seven years on elk. I don't actually know what I'm doing when it comes to early season high country muleys. I've only ever hunted muleys during the rut. Yeah. When they're as unpredictable as them, like what they decide that they're doing in that given second. Right. Right. Yeah. It's a different ball game for sure. The the season the season change definitely makes them act different. Yeah. There's very different. Out. And this year was a weird year for us here in Colorado. Yeah. We had really late snow. Uh we had snowpack, so the outfit one of the outfitters that I was working for, um, we tried to ride into one of the camps in June and there was still three feet of snow on the ground. Yeah. On June fifteenth. Yeah, I believe. Which Happens to be one of my buddies who's getting married this year on June 15th. <laughs> and I'm like, great, we're going to have a nice summertime wedding in Chicago. And I'm like, well, fucking snow here. We're going to have to go find find a way into these backcountry <laughs> camps the week before that. Right. Because if I'm going to be gone on the 15th and that's when we decided to go in last year. It's going to be a challenge. It's going to be a rough year. Yeah. we. I hope it's not. I, I mean, uh, everybody kind of, um, I don't know what I hope for, you know, like. I got it explained to me very well with the one of the outfitters that I was working with that that kind of snowpack affected how everything was going to behave because it kept everything lower. Mm-hmm. It kept them all lower longer. And then all of your good feed that was coming up on top of the mountain never got a chance to grow. And in Colorado, we already have a short grow season anyways. We right. already only have like a two-month, three-month grow season. So you now just cut that in half to do it to a six week to maybe a five week grow season. Mm-hmm. There's no way that all those grasses that th- that those elk need that like, and muleys are a lot more durable, honestly. Like when it comes to like that kind of an environment, like muleys don't need the water that elk need. They get a lot of their water from foliage that they're eating anyways, and they can eat kind of anything. Like, they can eat browse, they can eat brassicas, they can eat grasses, they eat everything. Elk are basically just eating grasses and brassicas, that's mm-hmm. it. Yeah, yeah, they like those water water spots, those clear streams. And mm-hmm. and they and return to water, water daily. Con- consistently, yeah. That's why, like, dur- I, I like hunting drought years more than I like hunting wet years like mm-hmm. this year. Yeah. This year, we couldn't figure out where the fuck they were because there was so much water in our unit that we were hunting. Like, yeah. we took that Hunt, Lift, Eat crew out with us where we'd been, we had scouted for, what, two months leading up to yeah. that? Yeah, it was nuts. Between you, me, and Chet, I don't think that we had more people on the ground scouting that area. No. And, that's and we, we could not find elk until the two days that I was there and, like, I was getting some bugles back and forth. But even until then, there were still elk in the area. There was fresh sign. All yeah. over the place. There they was were water. Out. There, there might have not been, you know, swimming pools of water, but it was 
it was wet. There was water there that that elk would would thrive with, and sat the water holes. We bugled them. We worked from the da- top down, pot them up. Yep. <laughs> I mean, everything. Yep. And yeah, it was. It was. It's. I, I agree with you. It's. It's. It's nicer hunting a drought year sometimes if you can pinpoint and scout and find those water spots, find those wallows, the shaded areas, the the good bedding areas that they're going to return to consistently. If the weather stays consistent throughout September and you're not having a like a couple years ago I think it was like two maybe three years ago now shoot maybe even four anyways I think it was three years ago we had like a two foot of snow the second week of September that was two years ago two years ago yep it was I mean it was cr- I was hunting up by steamboat my, my and, tent uh, collapsed on me in the middle of the night that <laughs> <Yeah>. night <laughs> we got just like this blimp of service one afternoon and i just happened to check the weather and i was like there's no way that's right close it out reload i'm like okay i did not prepare well enough for this trip we we better either get out now or we might just freeze to death because i was 100 percent hunting with the mindset of it being 80 degrees every single oh, yeah. day and 45 30 at night and the last few years rough. that's what i've gotten accustomed to for september in colorado like if we're not like in the mornings, okay, like the coldest you're looking at, it's probably mid mid to high forties. As soon as you start hiking, you're fine. Like yeah, you're sweating. Literally, the, the minute moving. you start fighting, like you, you start getting moving, you're fine. And like, I don't know, by the middle of the day, you can't even hardly walk around because it's too damn hot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and exactly. Like, if you think you're hot, what do you think the elk think? Yeah, that big old beast with that thick hide there's a reason they're bedded down in the shade and they're not moving yeah that's why they i mean we saw it just as far as the trail camera activity this year how much how many more of those elk that chet had on cameras that were active at night yeah. versus during the day you know just mm, probably damn for near the all pure of them. fact that it was 20 degrees cooler yeah it's and look at look at how september was for us this year too like i, I know like i was focused on my mule ear tag way down south but like I mean, we're probably looking at 80 to 90 degree days in September. Mm -hmm. I think the coldest it got on us was that one night that it snowed on us. It snowed, just barely snowed a little bit on top of the mountain. But yeah. And And my tent broke the weekend before that. So (laughs) I was using that tarp. And I just remember waking up to getting hit in the face with so much snow (laughs) and just being like, I'm going home in the morning. (laughs) I'm not doing this for another night. I'll have to find some pictures. I'll have to get them posted. But there's pictures of of our hunt lift. Our hunt lift eat team did an OTC Colorado elk hunt this year, and there was people floating in and out at different times, and and you know different schedules lined up differently. And Garrett comes in about halfway through the the <laughs> trip, and he left the trail. He, you left the truck at what six o'clock in the morning, probably. Left the trailhead. Oh no, I left way earlier than that. <laughs> Needless to say, he should have had about a two-hour, two-and-a-half-hour hike up the mountain to where we were camped, <laughs> and he shows up like four-and-a-half, five hours later, missing arrows, a broken bugle tube, <laughs> a hatred for grouse, <laughs> and a tarp as a tent. <laughs> Just I living life to the fullest. I do have a hatred for grouse after this, like a special spot in my heart to where like Every grouse is a dead grouse. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's that's just where it comes down to. I uh, 
that trip alone, I, I remember texting Dan being like, if you randomly hear an empty uh, a magazine empty getting emptied <laughs> out of yeah. a nine millimeter, it's probably just me shooting at grouse <laughs> because I've lost my fucking mind. <laughs> that was a good one to get across the old inreach. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. Oh man. Josh Day felt so bad for me after that hunt trip that he sent me a tent. <laughs> Did he really? Yeah, he sent me one of those little Devo tents that, oh, he, that had. he was using. Yeah, it was like, okay, well, hell yeah, dude. I appreciate the hell out of that. That was like one of the most thoughtful things that somebody's ever thought of. <laughs> you sleeping in the dirt getting pelted with snow. Oh, dude. Tarp flapping in your face. If there's one me. thing that I've learned from this year, from my being my first year with Hunt Lift Eat, being my first year doing like some true backcountry guiding, like mm -hmm. I could sleep in any scenario. Like, I feel pretty damn good about sleeping in yeah. whatever from here on out. I don't remember who said it, but someone was like, if you're going to be, if you're going to be, if you're going to be broke, you got to be tough or something like that when it comes it to hunting Aaron gear. It was Aaron Snyder that said that. Snyder. If you're, yeah. <laughs> you're going to be broke, you got to be tough. Yeah. You learn quick to be tough or if you're just, just stupid and just <laughs> winging it sometimes too. Like, I mean, especially when you got I the ride schedule. that line because like I don't make terrible money. <laughs> yeah, right. Especially when you got the schedule of, of that you had this last year of like, okay, I'm here tonight. I got to get on a plane, fly home here, and then I got to go to this show and I got to go to this shoot, and then shit. It's September. Like, pair of boots, some rain gear, a tarp, and a bow. Like, let's let's go hunt. You know? Dude, September was the most simplistic part of my entire year. Right. Right. Like I, it was the best, it's the best thing I could have imagined. Yeah, it worked out perfect for you. I still have the same. I actually, I, I okay. So we d we talked about that we're going to be kind of a gear review podcast. Xped, their um, sleeping pad, mm -hmm. hands down. Ten out of ten. Ten out of ten. I'm on the same one for ten years now. Nice. And it's still I I sleep better on that than I sleep on my mattress at home. Nice. Granted, I don't really have a home, but <laughs> like, <laughs> hunt, lift, eat, and close trailer might be your home some nights. I mean, <laughs> some nights. So if you guys ever see that thing parked out somewhere at Walmart, don't ask questions. Uh, usually it's a rest area in the it's middle of campus. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, man. You're going to find out soon enough, buddy. <laughs> yeah, Garrett and I are, uh, we're getting ready to hit the road for, uh, let's see, what's first? St. Louis. We have ATA coming up here in St. Louis. So Bubba and I here are going to be going on the road. Um, so I, I work full-time for Hunt, Lift, Eat. Uh, that is the career path as of right now is hunting industry, whatever. And that's kind of what I'm, I am for Hunt, Lift, Eat. I am the Swiss Army knife for them. So whatever they need, whenever they need it, that is my job. Um, Bubba here is going to be joining me um for a handful of the shows yeah um n not necessarily all of them but definitely gonna be as many as i can make for sure until i can find him a new job then uh i can force him to come on the road with me full time <laughs> but uh yeah no it's it, we're gonna have an opportunity to kind of be around at some of these events um hunt lift eat official has given us the chance to just go see the world at the end yeah. of the day. Um, I quit my job as an electrician back in June to come do this. And, I mean, 
now it's now all that all that life is is home with heat. Yeah, for sure. We'll we'll, we'll do a podcast eventually with just a an HLE rundown because yeah, and we'll, there's a we'll lot get Luke on there. we'll get Luke on the podcast. He's the owner of Hunt with Heat. Um, one of my best friends, my landlord, <laughs> everything. Uh, he um. Yeah, we'll have him on the podcast, and he'll kind of give a rundown of everything that Hunt with Deet is. I mean, Bubba and I wouldn't know each other if it wasn't for Hunt with Deet. So, yeah, sure. I mean, this is whether we're under their umbrella or not. We're gonna be giving them free ad space, I guess, for life here. Right. So pretty much. Um, pretty I guess much. that kind of leads us up to what our twenty twenty four plans are. Um, we are actually in a very unique situation today is december 29th at about 10 30 so we're looking at our i mean new year new podcast new like fresh start like mm -hmm. it's gonna be easy for us to keep track of when our one year one year anniversary is yeah, on this whole day. so we're gonna talk 2024 game plan as far as podcast goes as far as hunting plans go as far as fitness goals go, because unfortunately for y'all, we are going to drag y'all along on our fitness journey here as we try to go win the Western Hunt Fest for 2024. So uh, Western Hunt Fest, we're going to give them also a free shout out this week. Uh, Western Hunt Fest is a 3D archery shoot pack out challenge and elk calling contest that is a cumulative score that Basically, that, I mean, that's it's it's an all-around event. Yeah. Um, there's going to be one in Raton, New Mexico, one in Reno, Nevada, one in Colorado Springs, and then the final is going to be in Bailey, Colorado. And Palisade. Before Palisade. Bailey. Oh, there's another one? There's another one. What? Colorado Springs. Or, yeah. We should... Let's get those guys on the podcast yeah, sometime soon, too, and have them kind of really start prepping everybody on this because that event is that is a very unique, very fun event. The easiest way I've found to describe it to people was if you could make backcountry hunting a sport that's judged, scored, whatever that that that's western hunt fest it's like the crossfit games of western or of like western hunting right right like you're especially the way they structured it this year with all your scores are going to push <laughs> push <laughs> all your scores from your shooting your elk calling the sprint challenge and the pack out challenge are all going to go to be accumulative for your overall score so mm -hmm. so you can you could be a great, you know, I don't know. You could be a phenomenal elk caller, right. but be a garbage packer. And if that's the case, you're not my friend, but like. <laughs> you're not my friend. But I, yeah. I will take, uh, everybody plays their part, right? Yeah, you, you kind of have to. But it, if it you really want to be the champion, you got to have it you, all. If you want that fancy belt, you, you've <laughs> got to be dialed in on everything, just like you would in, in the elk woods, too. If you're a shitty caller, you're going to have a pretty hard time. Like, if you're yeah. a shitty shot, you're going to have a really hard time. If you can't hike, Western you're Hunt really Fest having a shitty time. Like. Western Hunt Fest is all about being the elk hunter. Exactly, yeah. It's it's the, the way to it's be It's the full package. Elk hunter, yeah. Like, 
you're if you can't shoot, you're not gonna pack out. If you can't call, you're not gonna shoot. Yeah, exactly. And then you're not packing out. And if you can't pack out, you're no help to anybody. Yeah. So exactly. No, cool. and I, I and our fitness fitness goals here, our fitness journey is gonna be very like by no means are we personal trainers here. We're gonna be following a hunt lift eat workout program most more than likely. Yep. We might try some other ones out. The thing is is the our goal with this podcast is we're gonna be guinea pigs for y'all. Like that is our goal. We're gonna try everything from trend bologna and cheese sandwiches <laughs> to <laughs> to all holistic and natural <laughs> Walmart camo to like everything <laughs> yeah, in between. Everything in between from uh, King's camo for <laughs> like Gabe to uh, Sitka like Luke. Like, you know, um, we're going to give it all a try. Uh, we're going to have fun with it. And at the end of the day, like, we're going to just enjoy hunting. Yeah. And we're going to we're going to tell our stories. We're going to have fun with it. We're going to hunt a shitload. Like that's the whole goal of all this. Like I, I want to hunt a lot this year. Um, I'm getting an opportunity to go to New Zealand uh, for 2024. My tentative game plan as of right now is end of March. I'm going down to New Zealand for the roar. I'm um, gonna go hunt red stag for 10 days with a couple of buddies and maybe a rider. Um, after that, it's all spring turkey and spring bear, and then. Spending the fall getting prepped for, or spending the summer getting prepped for the fall, and I'm a masochist at the end of the day, I guess, or (laughs) whatever you want to call it, but I'm going to probably pick up another over-the-counter elk tag this year and keep hammering at the place that I've just been getting after the last few years, and the chances are there. I'm not bringing the whole Hunt, Lift, Eat team there this (laughs) year again, but, you know... um, I will, I do plan to really, a true test in my mind of a good elk hunter is what you can do in an over-the-counter or a general unit. Yeah, Those heavily pressured, heavily like, there's not a lot of elk to some of those units. Mm -hmm. They're all pressured hard. There's a lot of hunters. If you can kill a bull in that shit, dude, you can kill a bull anywhere. Yeah, for real. Especially that area that you're talking about. It's it's very busy. It's very busy. Muzzle loader season's the worst time of the year that in that area. I, I mean, mean that's garbage. That, the spot that we camped this year, I was I was fully prepared to not see anybody. Once we left the trailhead, left the trucks, I was in my mind like there's no way anybody else is stupid enough to hike back here. And then there was two camps. That's a, that's it's it's a humbling, but kind of like an oh shit factor too. Like, I w- I want to be all about you know everyone everyone has the same opportunities, right? It's public land; they they have just as much of a right to be there as we do. Yep. But then that makes me mentally go, well, I guess I need to kick it up a notch and go go. You know, I went six miles, eight miles, ten miles back. Like, it's not enough. There's other people doing it. Got to get away from people. Next year's gonna be even harder. That's why I'm buying an outfit, man. We got all the horses we'll need after that. <laughs> four-legged, four-legged friends really help that situation. Yep. I mean, so th- I mean that kind of ties into what my plan for 2024 is going to involve. Is 
this last year was my first real like real year of guiding um doing the whole backcountry horseback drop camp style hunting and i learned more than i'm willing to admit that i learned this year um fuck i i feel like i learned 10 different ways to skin a cat this year after it was all said and done like and Working for going different outfits too is pretty cool. Probably just from from the outside looking in, getting to see the way that that this outfit ran versus this one, and and their their techniques versus this other guys was was pretty cool. It was a lot it of information. It was interesting. I learned a lot. I um, I don't know. There's a lot that's going to be changing going forward, and um, I mean to be very candid with this podcast, like there's a good chance that I own multiple outfits before the end of this year. Um, One of which is based just outside of one of my buddy's hometowns. And to be honest with you, this this place is kind of like the perfect place. I mean, it comes with all the horses, comes with all the tack, comes Mm -hmm. with the property. I could see myself really deep diving into outfitting on top of what I've been doing with Hunt, Lift, Eat because the amount of effort that I need to put in in the off season is, isn't is nothing, but like I can hire people who I need to need to do to take care of that while I'm gone on the road with, right. with what I'm doing with Hunt, Lift, Eat. And like, right. I don't know. I fell in love with guiding this year. I mean, I spent more days on a horse this year than I probably ever have in my life really and i felt just at home yeah i felt more at home doing that than i've felt doing anything in my life for sure that's kind of one of the things too that i think both of us are so passionate about with this podcast specifically is is the opportunity to to share the opportunities that we've been blessed to have um i know for garrett and i both this last year has been insane with the the people that we've met, the opportunities we've had in front of us as far as country we've gotten to see, places we've gotten to hunt, um, connections we've made in the industry and, and just overall opportunities that are that are ahead of us and, and being able to share those experiences with you guys and and, you know, flatten the curve somewhat of of, your, of somebody else's learning curve would be great, you know. Mm-hmm. Not not everybody has to I think everyone should just get their face drugged to the dirt a little bit in their journey. But if if we can uh, solve some of the pain for you, or ease some of the pain, that'd be that'd be cool. We we've been very fortunate to have a lot of these opportunities come into us that that we can share with people. Absolutely, and the beauty of both for both of us is is that uh, neither of us are fucking money bags. <laughs> so like we're coming from a very blue collar status of. I mean, it's not like we can go afford to pay for a dozen iron wheels, right? But we have Just a handful. To go break like we them can or go something. Yeah. Like we can go test them out. Like yeah. we can. We're gonna we're gonna come at you from an aspect of like very you know, real, very real. We can't like this is our first ever podcast. It's not like we're some big names that are just getting everything thrown at us right now. Like mm-hmm. everything that y- we talk about that we test. We're using it. We're using. I mean, we have to pay for it first. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, that's I think that's one of the best things that most folks that can that can take away from a lot of this is that we're gonna we're gonna try to hold true to that uh, at least that idea of like taking price as as a big factor. Like, don't get me wrong, I'm sure at some point down the road, uh, our hope, the whole reason we're doing a podcast is we're hoping at some point to be able to. I mean, ultimately, test for folks, like yeah. help build better equipment, yeah, for a reasonable price. Nobody wants to pay an arm and a leg for something. Yeah. Now that being said, I'm a Swaro ho. <laughs> like, you, you get what I you don't even have anything Swarovski yet, but like, I'm telling you right now, I have been salivating over getting all of all Swarovski optics for yeah. years now. Well, and you've and that's used the game everything plan. else under the sun too, leading up to that, to where like. Yeah, you you know that there there's a reason they are who they are and they're priced what they're priced because they're very arguably the best glass on the market. Yeah, I mean and top contender for sure. Don't get me wrong, Vortex has some stuff that can compete. Like yeah, on a budget too, especially you know? yeah. And yeah, if that's your jam, own. then do what you got to do. Like you don't have to have the the best of the best equipment, but when you're on those 14 day high country mule deer hunts and you're glassing miles and miles of country you're gonna want good glass yeah there's no doubt about it 100 percent, dude and it's it, it all comes down to comfort right i think you'll hear in plenty of different podcasts of like if you can stay for 30 more minutes every single day okay well like let's say better glass gives you less headaches okay well now you're staying longer because you're not getting a headache yeah if the puffy jacket that you're wearing is that much warmer than the next one, well, you're going to stay 30 minutes longer. That means you're staying all the way until dark. That means you're staying until you see the animals, like, when they are moving and when they're moving. Like, yeah. I mean, how many times when we were in Virginia, just back here in early dis earlier this December, animals didn't move until the last 10 minutes of the day. Yeah, I could have shot a lot of deer in the dark. Yeah, <laughs> I could have shot a lot of deer out of dark. Exactly. You know, and that's what I'm talking about is like a lot of these animals, they're not. They don't move until that very end of the day. Yep. And they're only moving for that first 20, 30, 40 minutes of the day. Yeah. Especially muleys. Yeah, especially muleys. And being able to sit that time and, and actually put them to bed or, or put them to water or wherever, just just pattern those animals that that gives you you might spend two or three days patterning the same deer or the same elk you know whatever but that two or three days of patterning that animal is going to give you enough time to come up with a good game plan on how to approach it you know the weather might not be right one day the wind might not be right this day okay well you finally at least now you know their pattern and and when the stars align you can you can get in there and close the distance and make it happen but if you a aren't tough enough or b your gear can't perform to the level you need it to, you're hiking with a bow. Yeah. You know? Exactly. But anyways, well, there's a lot to unpack there, but like, like Gary was saying, we've got, we've got a lot of things lined up. Um, this next year is, is going to be insane with, with the gear testing and stuff like that. And, and we're going to try to do a good job, um, from a video side of things, things as well. Um, when it comes to specific product testing and, and breakdowns and stuff like that and really give you guys an opportunity to see it in use, see it abused per se, 
that's one thing I'm big on is is I'm very very hard on gear. Same. I yeah. If it can't fall down a mountain with me, then it's not going in my pack. You know. I mean, you were. Did you try? I don't know if you were around with us when we were trying to blood trail my deer from Virginia. Yeah. Yeah. That briar patch. Yeah. Yeah. My puffy survived that, and I will stand by the um, Kafaru puffy jacket yeah. all day. I because that thing should have been shredded <laughs> by the end of that week. <laughs> Seriously. <coughs> I uh, the puffy that I was wearing that day tracking that deer, I've ran that one for <laughs> five years now. Everything from in September elk hunting to laying in a cornfield, shooting geese, that's what finally ripped it. Like I got my first rip in that jacket Damn, in those briars. Dude. It kills me. I've I've been a diehard <laughs> on that like on that puffy and and just be like oh yeah no it's it's good it's good it's good and then. Dude, it's still good. Like that oh shit yeah. was nasty. Let let me be f- very fair here that yeah. it wasn't like oh there's a rose bush right there. I just walked through. No, this shit was trying I to will, eat you alive. I will rant and rave now about that Kafaru puffy. If it can put it's up the with lost that shit, par- it's it'll the be lost fine. parka from Kafaru, dude. That that was some of the nastiest shit I've ever been in. I was yeah. wearing a hoodie the day before when I was in that stuff. Miserable. I couldn't walk a foot without getting hung up on like 18 million branches, mm-hmm. and then it was like I, I would just I was just getting pissed trying to crawl through all that stuff, and that puffy jacket, yeah. just fine. Yeah, a couple times I got caught, no big deal, but like didn't shred like I thought it would. Right, it's still it's gonna work again for the next hunt. Yep. Yeah, and I guess uh, for my 2024 plans. I'm kind of on the same page with you. Um, it'll definitely be a an OTC Colorado elk hunt for sure. Um, I should I say this and it's gonna jinx me, but I I should be drawing an antelope tag um, in Colorado again this year. Is it for the unit that uh, we live very close to? Yeah, just about yeah. an hour away. Yeah, very good unit. Good, good live very close. Yeah. So good you and unit. I should actually be drawing the same tag this year. There's a lot of big antelope in there. Um, I have more private land access than I care to admit in that <laughs> area. So if you want, I say yeah. Me too. We're gonna have to get together on that one. Um, yeah, it's a good tag. It's a good tag. It's it's not a hard tag to pull. It's but it's it can it, it can be sometimes. If we're looking at quote unquote premier tags in Colorado, this is one of them. Yeah, for antelope, yeah. It's one sure. of the top three, for sure. For sure. There's a lot of them out there. So, yeah, hopefully hopefully I'm in the running for that tag this year. Um, I've drawn it once and missed a buck at 80 yards. Okay. But anyways. My buddy had the um, over-the-counter tag. Just on the other side of the, the road there. Just yeah. right on the other side of the road there, and we used that uh, Montana Big Red. Mm-hmm. We got within 65 yards of a really nice buck, and he just he stepped out from the right side on me and never got a good, good clean chance. That that buck just bolted. Yeah, they're they're twitchy. But so yeah, hopefully we can get that tag and uh, hunt that in August. The OTC elk tag, um, bear tag, is is looking like a thing. If I can snag a, a fall bear tag. 
and uh, do that. That'd be that'd be really cool. Um, I like to take a trip down to Texas too, and uh, we did that this last April. And I'm I'm kind of looking to do something again this spring down there. It's a hell of a good place to go test equipment. Mm-hmm. I I think like it's shot opportunities on animals, whether you're shooting odd at or pigs or you know sheep, like whatever whatever you want to hunt down there. But I th- I think it's a really good proving ground for deer. Um, I would rather test it down there than I would up on a mountain in September. So try to do something down there and then uh, possibly another deer camp situation in the southeast like we just got back from. That was pretty cool. Yeah, um, so those the two properties that we spent most of our time at over there, I, I actually landed a lease for both of them. And between Virginia and North Carolina, I have to recheck the regulations, but I think I can shoot 12 deer in Virginia and 12 deer in North Carolina. There's so many deer out there. It's kind of funny. It was ridiculous. When we were driving into camp that night, we were we were talking Gabe and Ian and I, and I, I had said something about, man, I'm, I can't believe we haven't seen any deer yet. Like, I figured they'd just be all over the place and not two miles down the road. Like, really just thick beam, four-by-four buck darts out in front of the car and, like, about trash the rental car and a deer. And then every turn after that, just deer, 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 deer. And walked around that farm. It was just insane. Dude, that the property. Deer out there is nuts. Did you see the river bottom yet? Yeah. I went, down there, get track, a I went down there to track a deer. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, by so the, you got a chance to go. S- yeah. 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 Uh, that's where we did summer rendezvous last yeah. year. Dude. I don't know if there's a more picturesque view is going over that one ridge mm-hmm. that you go through the first two gates technically three gates but you go through those and there's like you go down over to the right and there's that next gate mm-hmm. now if you go to the right from that there's another gate from there that gate has one of the best views in the entire world that I've ever seen oh yeah it's beautiful like country down there of course, Luke elbows me in the ribs and goes, got my first blowjob there. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm what just like, guy. dude, you just ruined like what one of guy. the best views that I've probably ever had in my life. <laughs> Minus like my campsite, maybe my campsite from deer camp in like <laughs> September this year. Yeah. But like, thanks for ruining <laughs> that for me, man. <laughs> That's about the most Luke thing I've ever heard. <laughs> what a way to ruin a moment. Oh, dude. But. Yeah, it's uh, it's gonna be a good year, man. I'm I'm stoked. It's gonna be fun. Western Hunt Fest, like we were talking earlier, is is kind of big on my list this year. <coughs> really taking that serious. And That's top for me too. I went into it last year in, in in good shape. Like I was I was the strongest I'd ever been as far as like weightlifting and and consistency lifting weights. I was not, however, in the best shape in my cardio, and it smoked me. Like, no doubt about it. I was humbled real quick. Like, an eighth of the way through the course on my first load, I, I like, hit me like, oh, fuck. Yeah. This is not curls and bench press. Like, <laughs> telling you, man, it's all about the trend bologna and cheese <laughs> sandwiches. <laughs> and cheese sandwiches, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so this year, uh, Garrett and I have already kind of kind of kicked off um, our 
our fitness kind of prepped for I'm calling it for Western. I'm saying it's for Western Hunt Fest until September comes because once September comes, it's all going to build on itself and yeah. and be good. Um, but as as far as as that goes, we started that and uh, we're the we're the guys in the short shorts, the hoochie daddy hunt lift eat shorts with blood stained packs and weights in our packs <laughs> rucking on a treadmill on an incline we get so many life. weird looks at gold's gym every morning so every yeah. morning if you happen to be listening to this podcast and you're in greeley and you work out at gold's keep your looks to yourself bitch <laughs> <laughs> we're dying okay we're not doing it for bits and glamour <laughs> we we just need a. We I've just tried better to hobbies. I've tried to clean all that elk blood off of that pack too, and I know that the, all the old ladies are just looking at me like, "What the <laughs> fuck's wrong with you?" <laughs> uh, it's worth it, man. Like, you can't care what anybody else thinks. You're, everyone's on their own, on their own journey, I guess. Ours is just mildly autistic. <laughs> <laughs> We're definitely on the spectrum. <laughs> What uh, what's one piece of gear that you're looking to change this year? I think you already kind of mentioned it. Did I mention it? Maybe. Well, I mean, my bow is probably honestly on the top of my list this year. I think I'm okay. I'm leaning towards upgrading to the Matthews lift. But. Given that we're uh, starting this podcast that's supposed to be gear review. Who knows? Might I think, shoot that 20 I different think bows. this I think this new job that I just landed with the pay the paycheck is gonna go entirely towards more more than one bow. Right. I sure. might just buy a flagship from a couple. couple Try them out. Yeah. And then you get the other ones and then we'll just flip flop and have to just reset our bows for each other. Been there, done that already once. We can, we can do it again. I'm the king of either switching bows, switching rest, arrows, sights, something before a hunt. The I've release is going to be a big one this year for me. I'm switching yeah. from a wrist release to a thumb tab. Mm-hmm. That's a big change. It's a lot different. You got to throw that wrist release away. That's my biggest issue. I brought my thumb release to Virginia with me this year. Kept and it you didn't use it, did you? I kept it in my bino harness. I shot it. Peasant. Gabe and I were sitting there shooting, shooting the 3D target for a little bit one morning, and uh, I I got in my own head about it, and then just knowing that I had the old old trusty wrist rocket, just had to strap it back on and I'm gonna and go for I'm it. I'm gonna burn your wrist rocket. <laughs> I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to. That's the only way that I think for me, anyways, that I can switch switch releases this year is is just going full bore into it and and trying it, but. We'll see. I also like to lose things on hunts too, and I got a feeling that uh, a handheld release is going to be the first thing I lose somewhere on the mountain. Um, yeah, I'm pretty good at that. Uh, that's a concern for me too, and it weirdly enough, it it changed my draw length dramatically. Yeah, yeah, quite a bit. It changed mine an inch and three quarters. Yeah, I mean longer. It it changes the angle of everything. It changes your your shot at your not your shot angle, your string angle and peep sight location, draw length, everything. I went it's from tough. a twenty nine and three quarters to now being a thirty one and a quarter mm-hmm. draw length. Yeah. 
yeah, I don't my know. My bow, my current bow doesn't even go to that. So that's kind of why, <laughs> why I need a new fucking bow. Yeah. Even Matt Matthews, I I made the mistake of shooting it. I knew I shouldn't have. I've I've honestly I've shot the new Matthews bow every what since the oh, what was the VRX or the whatever it was. Anyways, I've shot the new Matthews the last four years in a row, all the way up to the phase four. And the phase four I, I did like it, but it wasn't enough of a change to make me quit shooting a PSE. PSE had just been knocking it out of the park for me for the last like five years. And this year, I, like I said, I went and shot that new Matthews and it was a hundred percent like good thing. I left my wallet in the truck cause <laughs> that bow was going to walk out with me and I was going to have some explaining to do to the wife when I got home cause <laughs> it would have came home with me. Buddy, that's, <laughs> That is a big reason why I'm strongly considering just staying single for this <laughs> whole kick. <laughs> uh, that's a whole nother podcast. <sighs> Garrett's love life. No, we're not doing that. <laughs> oh, man. You got anything else for our uh, our first backcountry bowcast? No, we're as long, as we, up on as, long as we strictly stay away from my fucking love life, we're in good <laughs> shape. You never know. This might start as a, as no, a backcountry it's gear. It's actually, it it's really not. <laughs> it might just be. I guarantee it's not. Q&A <laughs> live call in. <laughs> with Garrett's, Garrett's personal life. No, that'll. Either way, we'll be you can reviewing keep up something. If you really want to keep up with my love life, you can follow that on the Hunt Lift Eat Official's Instagram. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> oh, man. Uh. Where can the people find you? Uh, you can find me at Garrett Carver 21 on Instagram. Mm -hmm. Um, kind of a little inactive coming at the start of this year because I realize that I waste way too much time on social media. But yeah, give me a follow. There'll be some uh, hunting content coming forward. Um, on top of that, you can find me at Hunt Lift Eat Official uh, on Instagram. Uh, check out the Hunt Lift Eat uh, YouTube channel. We have two hunts we're dropping on there, as well as all of our podcasts are going to start to be videoed and produced on our YouTube channel. For sure. um, obviously, we are not directly affiliated with Hunt Lift Eat as of right now, but Obviously, Hunt Lift Eat has also given us a lot of what where we're at right now, so we're going to be kind of giving them the free plug going forward. But yeah, for sure. Um, where can they find you? Yeah, on the uh, on the Instagram at Bubba Writes, uh, R E I T Z. Um, same thing with tend to pop up on the uh, Hunt Lift Eat Instagram quite a bit and. Um, yeah, check keep it out. Keep an eye out for uh, the the Backcountry Bowcast um, YouTube channel. Mm -hmm. We're going to start doing tips, tricks, general shooting tips. Um, gear reviews, Instagram Gear stuff. reviews. Uh, and we're going to start really diving into that realm over the next couple months. Um, really, right. it's going to be... A lot of how-tos and like a lot of, I think if we can uh, start breaking bows down and showing people what to do from home. Yeah, this off season is going to be really beneficial for 
for some in-depth tech work. Especially because both of us are probably upgrading our bows this year, so we're going to be doing bow rebuilds. Yeah. Yeah, big time. Big time, big time. Well, um, folks, yeah, we appreciate – I got nothing else. Um, I was just going to say I, we appreciate the hell out of all of our listeners. Um, as of right now, we're just going to keep doing what we're doing. Yeah, stay tuned. We will get better. We'll get more efficient. We uh, hopefully won't go off on tangents. And oh, we're, we're still we're probably going to go, go off, off on, tangents. on tangents. But just just know there's going to be a, a loop around somewhere. Starting in two days, we'll be sober going forward. So yeah, um, that is that'll true. be a difference. <laughs> that that will be true as well. So uh, yeah, we appreciate you guys and uh, follow follow Garrett, follow myself. Check out and look out for the backcountry bowcast on youtube and instagram um hunt lifty official and the hunt lifty podcast yeah big plug to those guys and uh catch you on the mountain we'll catch you on the mountain